All righty, everybody. Welcome back to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have with me Tom Brower, who has voiced many characters, including Ren from Magi, The Labyrinth of Magic, and The Kingdom of Magic, along with Phaeton from Hunter Hunter, and more recently, Hush Midi from IBO and Agent Shu from Dragon Ball Z Super, and several commercials you've also been involved in. So thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited. IBO is doing amazing. Dragon Ball Z is really kicking it and so you're having a great 2017 but before we talk about that i'm really curious and i'm sure you get asked this a lot how did you initially get into acting not really an interesting story but it was uh in high school i figured it out i was a freshman in high school i had room for another class so i met with my guidance counselor to see what to fill that with she mentioned why don't you try drama and i was like okay i had really had no inclination as to whether or not i really wanted to be an actor but as soon as i took that class i was hooked so i knew right then and there that i definitely wanted to be an actor in some way so i started doing theater classes and even doing extra work for television and commercials and then that kind of fell to the wayside for about a decade, and I was relying more on my computer technology background. So I worked for companies like Apple, Hulu, a bunch of other places. And while I was working there, I had a friend of mine mention that he was taking voiceover classes in Burbank. And I was like, that sounds really cool. I'd like to try that. Can I come with you to the next class? And he was like, sure, sure, sure. And make a long story short, the rest is history, man. That's how it happened. So you get into voice acting, come to this class. Did you sign up for more classes following that class or how did you get into training voice acting and getting gigs so first class i took was with a wonderful lady by the name of mj lalo and she still teaches in the north hollywood burbank area she was awesome and she turned me on to other people to study with and take classes i just took classes wherever they were available i started in commercial because i felt my voice was more inclined to that type of platform in voiceover so i set out to make a commercial demo reel featuring my voice in different spots so I found my demo producer, we cut my demo, and I started sending it out. It took about a year, but that's how I got my first agent. And since then, she was great. She sent me on a bunch of auditions all over Southern California, and I really started to thrive in the commercial realm. And then, same friend mentioned a class over at Bang Zoom Entertainment, and they produce a lot of anime and Japanese video games, foreign language dubs, all kinds of stuff like that. And I was like, that sounds cool. And I was into anime in high school, so I was I was just like, wow, this would be kind of a neat transition. So I took the first class with Tony Oliver, who I've since become really great friends with. He's an amazing director at Bang Zoom Entertainment, and he's also been a voice in a bunch of awesome classics, most notably Rick Hunter in Robotech. So I took that class, and I studied with him exclusively about a year or two, just to get the hang of dubbing and voiceover. It was really difficult. I wasn't used to it, because in the commercial realm, you don't have to worry about timing or lip syncing or anything like that. So when it came to dubbing anime, it was a little bit more difficult because not only did you have to match the tone of the Japanese actor, but you had to make sure the lip flaps match, that you are on time, that you're hitting all your notes. So there was a lot of stuff going on. It was a lot of patting your head, rubbing your stomach at the same time kind of thing. But I got to figure that out. And the first time I got to dub in anime was doing background voices in Sword Art Online. That was really cool. So you can hear me in the first couple of episodes of the first season. I play a bunch of NPC characters in that and some of the monsters in that as well so that was a lot of fun so the studio really liked me a lot and they keep sending me auditions and bringing me back so i'm really lucky and now i kind of want to talk a little bit about tony oliver before we get into some of your roles really your voice training 
When you first came in, how did you go about finding the range of your voice? That was interesting because naturally my voice, I thought anyway, goes a little on the deeper end. So I really started out trying with the older characters. And Bang Zoom let me test that out with Magi in A Labyrinth of Magic, where I play Ren Hakuyu, because he's the older brother of one of the other characters, Ren Hakuryu. So I played the older brother type in that. And I realized that I had a more youthful sound. So they let me go for more of the younger characters after that. And in terms of playing with my range, I really got to do that with Dragon Ball Super playing Shu because he was awesome. He's kind of like a Bugs Bunny character almost, kind of a Looney Tunes character. So I was able to figure out a different voice and different pitch. So you really tend to figure out your character once you get in the booth. Same with all my other characters. So you'll basically hear me as a lot of younger, maybe hero or sidekick characters. And to talk a little bit more on the business side, when you were taking these classes and studying, was there anything about networking and really getting yourself out there and just adequate as a voice actor and as an actor in general that was really drilled into you? And I was already instilled with that before I started training. For me in particular, it's really hard for me to network, so to speak. It's kind of a coincidental thing. You don't go into network. You just talk to people and make friends and you make connections that way. A lot of people I hear kind of nowadays just like, oh, I'm going to go to this party to network or I'm going to go to this guy's place to network. I'm going to go to this studio to network. It's kind of a weird thing for me because I don't outwardly seek out to network people because I'm a shy, reserved guy in general. So it's just more like, hey, I think you're cool. Let's hang out. Let's grab a beer or coffee or something and let's talk. So there's definitely a certain etiquette that goes with it as well. You want to be nice to everybody. And it helps if you're already a genuine person, but but directors, producers, anyone with a keen sense will be able to tell if you're faking it. So just be yourself and just be kind, humble, and grateful for any opportunity you get out of that. And like I said, be nice to everybody, directors, fellow actors, the recording engineers, everybody in the industry, because it is a very tight-knit community and word gets around about not only your mannerisms, but your work etiquette too. And now to start talking about what everybody wants to know, which is the anime side and the dubbing side. And you just mentioned that one of your first roles, if not your first role, was additional voices and sort of online. What was that like and how did you get involved in that show? It was interesting. I just kind of fell into it. Like I mentioned, I've been studying with Tony and taking classes over at Bang Zoom Entertainment. And just one day out of the blue, I get an email from casting there asking me if I was interested in to come in and do additional voices for the show. And I was like, yeah. So I was excited and nervous and anxious to just get in and put all this training to use. What was nice is that it was a group session. So I had other people there with me, other people that I met there now that I'm friends with now who are also doing really great and awesome stuff. But the director at the time was Alex Von David, and he was just fun. He made the session fun, and in turn, it made me relax and get to have fun as an actor and just go for it. So that was really, really fun. And I guess they liked me so much that they kept bringing me back for more additional voices. I think just to see where I am, how I'm doing, getting feedback from their directors and all that stuff. So I did a bunch of additional voices for other anime as well. Nura, Rise of the Yokai Clan, Toradora, a couple of older anime that they were producing at the time as well. And then came Magi, the Labyrinth of Magic, where they just needed a voice. I only had two lines in it, but they needed someone. So they brought me in and Tony was directing it. So automatically I felt really, really comfortable and we banged it out. And luckily enough, my character comes back in the second season, which is the Kingdom of Magic. So they were able to bring me back in. And about that time, they started sending me actual auditions for different projects. So I started auditioning for that and 
and that led to me voicing in all kinds of other really, really cool projects. And that unpacks some of that. Do you feel that all your additional voice work starting out really cracked open the door for you? Definitely made me feel more comfortable in my own skin because I was still trying to figure out where I belonged in this world. Everybody's voice print is pretty unique, so a lot of people really have trouble looking for it. And I was lucky in the sense that I had help from people at Bangs and helped me figure out where my voice really best fits in in the anime world. So doing additional voices definitely brought me into a more comfortable zone and peace of mind. So I was able to knock things out of the park. And when I actually had lines that appeared in shows, going in to record those were a piece of cake after two years of training. And now to talk about Magi, the first season and the second season, what was that like? voicing that character, Ren. Considering that Ren is complicated, it's literally life and death. Your character is sort of dead, has an issue with mothers. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, it was really interesting. I didn't know anything about the show. I watched it afterwards to get a better sense. But when I went in to record, I basically had to get a quick breakdown from Tony, just saying, hey, this is who this guy is. He's a prince who basically gets murdered by his mother. (laughs) So you have to put all these different layers into it because he's basically confessing to his younger brother that he knows who did this and to avenge his family. So much that you have to put in two lines and it was just, okay, no pressure. I got this. So it was pretty intimidating because again, it was my first foray into actually really dubbing stuff and concentrating and figuring out who this character is. And again, it was interesting because I had to go back and watch myself just to figure out, okay, where was I at this point and how can I kind of improve because it's kind of the same scene, still flashback, but there's more dialogue. So I have to put all those that I had before what I was feeling then into what's going on now so it definitely takes a bit of recall to doing that it was intimidating but a lot of fun and they liked me enough to give me another character in that show Nero who is anxious person so that was really interesting as well and again a lot of fun I'm hoping for uh, third season I know they did the adventures of Sinbad which was really awesome so I hope I get to come back and do more and obviously Tony was working on this you trained with Tony and you think it's safe to say you developed a relationship with him how did that affect you going into shows that he directs and that he's working on it definitely makes it easier going into the booth because I've known him for about five years now if I know Tony's the director on a project I know I'm gonna have a good time so there's a little bit of anxiety going in and working with someone new or a new director who really doesn't know who you are and you really don't know their directing style but Tony knows me well enough as an actor and I know him well enough as a director where we can just bang things out. He says jump and I'm like, how high? And I'm able to just really segue into a really comfortable zone. I've been really lucky enough to work on a bunch of different projects with Tony, not only Moggy, but also in Hunter Hunter. And I got this really awesome new one that's coming out relatively soon that I can't quite talk about yet, but I just got finished recording the first couple episodes for it. And I'm really excited again to be working with Tony and for the fans to check it out too. Now we got to talk about hunter hunter because that's what people love it's extremely popular yeah. now every saturday night it's on tsunami and you were just a major character phaeton who's in the phantom troops arc and he's a major villain how did you get that role that was interesting i actually auditioned for that role because hunter hunter is such a huge show and there's just so many characters and so many episodes so they sent me this character because again talking about voice prints and stuff i kind of had a, a little bit of a younger teenager voice kind of in that realm so they decided to send me an audition for phaeton and i had not watched the show so i really 
really didn't know much outside of what was on the description and the lines they sent me. They also sent me a video reference so I could watch who the character is and get a natural inclination to his voice. I ended up going to a friend of mine who really loved the show and I asked him, hey, do you know this character? Can you help me figure out who he is and what he does? And he definitely schooled me on it. Then I ended up watching a bunch of episodes and started binging it because I got really addicted to the story because it's just such an amazing series. So I gave them two different takes on Phaeton. The one you hear now on Tsunami and one that was more my natural sounding voice because Phaeton has a very weird speech pattern which I wanted to include in that. So I did one normal my voice take and then I did something closer to what the Japanese actor did. So he has a really kind of esoteric voice to him but it's also kind of menacing and it was just really interesting and fun doing that and turns out both Viz who produces and distributes the series and Bang Zoom really liked that take and what was really interesting because usually I'll find out if I booked a role within the first couple of weeks and two months had passed since I auditioned for it so I figured oh I didn't get it moved on kind of thing so it was already out of my mind but I was still watching the series because I was really addicted to it and that was about a year ago last August I auditioned for it and then two months later in October they let me know that I booked the role and it was so gratifying because it was the first role that I actually booked with Bang Zoom just based off of auditioning so that was awesome I was totally stoked and again nervous and really excited to tackle this character because he has a lot of lines and he actually has a fully fleshed out character that I could play with and grow with over time and I never played a villain before so it was just so good to be bad it was really awesome And now you mentioned something interesting where you said that before that you get auditions sent to you. What was it like having to go out and actually audition for a show versus getting something sent to you? When I first started getting into the industry, it was more I'd go to the places to physically audition. And Bang Zoom, I did at the beginning, I would go in and be directed for some auditions. I got to audition for the second season of Magi, the Kingdom of Magic at the studio and a couple other projects too while I was there. So right around that time is when the boom of you have to have your own home studio, you have to have your own recording set up, you have to be able to self-direct audition on your own was really kicking off. And now that's kind of the norm. It's different. There are times that I prefer to be directed. I find it easier. But now that I have my own recording studio and my own home setup, it's just really easy for me to just go in there and do as many takes as I need to to get in the right headspace without worrying about somebody watching me and only having 10 minutes in the booth and all that stuff. So it makes it a little bit easier with Hunter Hunter. That one I got to do at home. I had time to watch the series. I had time to ask a friend about. It. I had time to really try to come up with some good character choices for that. And I came up with really two solid ones. And it was just awesome that one of them actually booked. Definitely a different experience. But nowadays, I prefer to do it at home. It's just easier. I can get other stuff done while I'm here, etc, etc. And we were just speaking that you were addicted to Hunter Hunter when you were really applying for the role. What is it like to be in an anime that you love? It's really a surreal feeling because I'm a huge anime fan and it's really interesting to me because growing up with it in high school, I always just thought it was cool. It would be cool to just get to voice in a cartoon and all that. But I really didn't pay too much attention to that because I was more focused on my on-camera career and theater career and just doing all that kind of stuff. So to kind of come around full circle, I think high school Tom would be really proud of current Tom right now and just be really stoked on him. But I think it's awesome. I know how much Phaeton means to the Hunter 
Hunter and Phantom Troop arc and the series in general. A lot of people are really stoked on him. Everybody really likes him. So with Phaeton, there was definitely a sense of pressure to do a good job on him. So I definitely didn't want to disappoint. And I gave the best interpretation that I could of the character. I really am a fan of trying to stay as faithful as I can to the direction of the character in Japanese and also to kind of pay homage to the original Japanese voice actor. Because again, I really dig what he did. And so I emulated that and put my own spin on that. And then of course, Tony helped me polish it up and then Viz had their own direction to give me as well. So it was just a matter of putting all that together to create hopefully a really, really cool character. So I tend to become a fan of things that I get cast in, but it's really awesome to watch a show, like example, Dragon Ball Super, because I grew up with Dragon Ball Z and to just be cast in a version of that, it's just so cool to be part of that international dub. It's really humbling and really surreal. Like I have no words sometimes, sometimes in the booth and I'm like, this is just so awesome. I can't believe I'm doing this right now and I'm getting paid for it. And besides Phaeton, you are also involved in the arc that's currently airing with Hunter Hunter, the Green Island arc as yes. Jespa. How did that come about? That was interesting. It turns out Phaeton had a couple of lines in the Greed Island arc. He's not in it much, or at least he doesn't say much. He's hanging around with the Phantom Troop because the Phantom Troop's kind of trying to figure out, okay, what's this Greed Island thing? Let's murder people. Let's do our thing kind of thing. And so Phaeton had a couple of lines in it. And usually sessions for dubbing anime, they're a minimum of two hours that you have to get paid for. So even if you finish early, you get paid those two hours. So when I went in to record, I had so few lines, they decided, hey, there's this other character that we have. You want to play him? And I was like, yeah, of course, let's do it. And so they gave me Jispa. And Jispa is more of the kind of idealist young hero type that I was talking about. So it's a really interesting dynamic to go from playing Phaeton, who's this really just sadistic, evil guy who loves to torture people, to Jispa, who is the complete opposite of that. He's the guy who wants to be the hero. He wants to save everyone. He wants to finish Greed Island and save everybody and get everybody out of this game. Spoiler alert, while he meets an untimely demise, it was really fun to play both sides of that coin. And obviously, this is going down now. I think we have five or six episodes left in the arc. What is it like for you to watch this unfold each and every week? I had watched the series in Japanese, so I'm not really surprised to what's going on as it airs every week, but it's just really cool to see friends of mine get cast in it and to just see how really well done the English language version has been dubbed. I'm really proud of everybody who worked really, really hard to do it. So again, just seeing it week by week, it's just really cool how it's developed, how it's grown, to see how the other actors have grown into their characters and progress through this story. It's just really awesome to see. I'm always stoked. Sometimes I have viewing parties just to kind of check out what's going on on Toonami and it's kind of cool being back on Toonami now with Phaeton has taken a little bit of a break now but to come back in the form of Hush in Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Yeah we're going to talk about that right now because IBO (laughs) is tearing it up. It teared it up when it first came out in Japan and it developed a huge fan base and then season one came out And that tore it up in English. And now season two, I think, came out a few days ago, the first episode. So what is the story behind how you got into this anime? Actually, it happened right after the Hunter Hunter audition. I'd say a couple weeks or maybe even a month after. I got two auditions for the show, Iron-Blooded Orphans. And I had already seen the first season. And I was actually in the middle of watching the second season. So I was just, oh, okay, awesome. I am a pretty huge Gundam fan. 
first one I ever watched was 8th MS Team on Minami, so it was really, really cool to get a Gundam audition. And the two characters I got were for Hashmiti and Iakujan, who also was in the premiere a couple of days ago. So I auditioned for both characters. I felt really good about Hush. I wouldn't have mind if I had gotten cast as Iak, but I felt more inclined to Hush because his story is really interesting, and I won't spoil it for anyone now going into the show and watching it on Toonami, but he has a very interesting arc. I really identified with him a lot because he's a guy who's just trying to figure out his place in the world and his place in Tekken and how he stacks up to other people and he meets Mikazuki who he sees as this guy he says he's an industrial waste of space because all he does is sleep and he hasn't really seen him in action yet so it'll be really interesting come this Saturday with episode 2 to kind of see Mikazuki going into action and all that but Hush has a really interesting arc really powerful really cool the role of Hush I had so much fun recording because I felt like I grew with the character. I got to see his struggles and got to see him grow episode by episode and how he changed and how he grew into this really awesome character that I hope everybody will love. But going back to the audition, the audition was, for anybody who watched the premiere, was the opening scene where Hush first gets introduced and where he basically just comes in and he's just relaying how he feels about Mikazuki. And I only gave one take for that. Having watched the show, I felt like I got the character. So I just went for that, and I think it was two weeks later, they said I got cast as Hush, and I was just so stoked. And I got to work with the awesome Lex Lang, who is the director of the second season of Iron-Blooded Orphans, and he did a phenomenal job. It was awesome working with him. He definitely has a different directing style from Tony, who I was so used to, but I love working with Lex because he knew how to push me into the character that needed to happen with Hush. So it was really awesome working with him. And we recorded that starting last November, and we finished recording around May, I believe, of this year. So to kind of have to wait around, I had forgotten what I sounded like as Hush, so when I watched the premiere, it was kind of interesting. I didn't know I used that voice. I was pretty nervous watching, hoping this fits, I hope it works, because you don't really get to listen to yourself as you're acting. You're just following the director, following what's happening on the screen as you're dubbing it, and giving your best performance, and hoping that everything works together, and it sounds okay when he's talking to other characters, because oftentimes when you're recording, especially in anime, you're recording by yourself. Most the time you're not privy to what the other actors sound like. Like, I had no idea who was cast in it, other than the people returning from the first season, because my character is exclusive to the second season, and there are a bunch of new characters that came in that were exclusive to the second season that my character interacts with, so it was just really interesting, really difficult. Hush is definitely the most emotional character I've ever played, and to that effect, I think he's the best character I've ever played, because he's such a real, down-to-earth, genuine person, and that's the hardest thing I think to act as I put a lot of myself into it and the hardest thing you can do is act like yourself so I really hope that translates well into the season as the episodes go on and I hope the fans enjoy it and given that I think this is arguably one of the biggest roles you had so far in your career what type of pressure were you feeling with this a lot because I knew how big the show was and I was a fan of it so sometimes when you're a fan of something you have to kind of remove yourself from that you have to be like okay I gotta be professional about this I really gotta dig deep into the character now I'm stoked that I got the character but now it's like okay now the hard work starts in terms of pressure I really got to deliver because there's a certain expectations that the fans have that the producers of Gundam have over at Sunrise and what Bang Zoom has and all this other stuff so 
the pressure was definitely felt. And especially working with a new director like Lex, I went in really, really nervous. I remember having to do more than one take at a time per line because I was still trying to figure out the character. I had a really good idea of what he should be in my head but that quickly changed and it was really difficult for me to adapt but luckily Lex was there to help me through that and the first episode watching it back turned out really really awesome so if that's any indication I'm really excited to see what the rest of the series looks like but yeah definitely a lot of pressure there's always this pressure especially with anime or things that have a following because usually Japan gets that first that's their original work and when it's distributed over here to the US or anywhere else and to other English-speaking countries. There's a pressure to do well and also a pressure to be as close to the original as possible. You don't want to deviate too much. Sometimes I will take a couple liberties because it translates better in English than it does in Japanese because the Japanese language is very poetic at times, so it doesn't always translate well into the English dub. So there are times where you can take liberties and say things and do things. And Lex was really cool about that when I was just like, hey, I have an idea for this character. Can I try this line this way and see if it works out? And if not, let's go back to what we were doing before and he was really really cool about that so I really really appreciated it and that made for just a better session and for a better tooling of the character and now I don't want to ruin anything of IBO first episode just came out but where and when can people see it you can catch it every Saturday night 12.30am Pacific Standard Time on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim during their Toonami block it's awesome so be sure every Saturday night you can hear Hush you can hear me on that and you can hear a bunch of really awesome stellar casts that work really really hard to bring this amazing show to the US so be sure to watch it and then outside of anime, I just want to touch on this briefly. You've done some video game work, starting with some Halo Wars 2 as Mantis, Altular, Ferris, The Alchemist, and The Mysterious Journey, and a game that's coming out in 2018, Secret of Mana as Randy. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun doing video game work. I started doing, back with Bang Zoom. actually, they let me do a couple additional voices when I was doing anime as well. I think the first one I did was Hyper Neptunia. There are like a million games in that series, but I started doing additional voices in that, and so they started bringing me in to do other voices in other video games, like Atelier Ferris, The Alchemist and the Mysterious Journey. They let me play Dion in that and that was really really awesome and i got to audition for that video game as well so that was really really cool and then that led to me going into other studios and kind of venturing out and finding what other video game work or what other projects that i could get into and my current agent hooked me up with this awesome studio who was working on halo wars so i got to meet some really cool people doing that i got to play mantis in that and he's one of the dlc characters which i think he's out now so you can definitely download him and try him out and check him out that was a lot of fun. Video game work is definitely more fast-paced and more intense than anime is. Because with anime, you can take your time in the sense that you're matching lip flaps and stuff like that. But with video games, it's like boom, boom, boom. Okay, next line. Okay, next line. Give me three takes of this line. Give me three takes of that line. It's definitely much more intense and fast-paced. So that took a little bit of getting used to. But the director at the time really, really enjoyed it. And they brought me back to do some more additional voices in Halo Wars 2. I play a bunch of different characters and if you can check that out. And what's really cool is that that's kind of what led me to Secret of Mana. The director that I was working with at the time, after the session had finished for Halo Wars, was talking to me after the session. We were just kind of chit-chatting, just kind of seeing where we were both at. And she mentioned that I did a really good job in the booth. I thanked her for that. I gave her my business card saying, hey, if you ever have any other auditions or projects that you'd like to consider me for, please, I'd be more than happy to. And she mentioned that she was nearing the end of casting this one project 
Project, which at the time was Secret of Mana. I didn't know it at the time. They were using code words too, so I didn't even connect the dots on that. And she asked if I'd be interested in auditioning. And I was like, yeah, of course, just send me the sites and I have a home studio so I can just record at home and zip those right back to you. So later that night, she sent me a bunch of male character sites for the game. And what was interesting was because everything was kind of kept confidential and secret, I had no idea what the game was really. They included pictures and stuff, which looked familiar to me, but I still didn't put two and two together. I could have done a little bit more research on it, but because they were due right away, they were at the end of casting this thing. So I had to get my auditions in right away. I auditioned for most of the male characters. And if you're familiar with Secret of Mana, I auditioned for Randy, who's the lead character in the game who I play. I auditioned for Dyluck, who is Prim's boyfriend, who she's trying to save. A bunch of the villains, a bunch of the generals and the elementals. Thanatos, who's the head honcho main villain. A bunch of other characters in that. So I gave my best take on all of them. And I thought, honestly, out of all those takes, I thought I would get either cast as an elemental or as Dyluck, because I felt really close, like, he's pretty cool. I feel like I did a really, really good job with him, paying no mind to what this project actually was. Everything was kept confidential. I probably could have figured it out had I delved a little bit deeper, but again, just due to time constraints, I just took my own takes and just went for it. The pictures that they included had definitely had a Japanese RPG style to them, but what was interesting is that they wanted to steer clear from the typical anime sound, which was uh uh-oh to me because I was so used to doing anime, and they wanted more of a Saturday morning cartoon kind of sound, that kind of idealistic old style in this series. So I sent out my audition, she sends me her thanks, and she casts the next day, and then I get an email about a week and a half after saying I got the lead role. And again, I was like, oh, cool, that's awesome. Again, not knowing what this was. So she got my recording schedule, and then I decided, okay, let me see if I can figure out what I'm actually recording, see if there's anything that exists prior to it or whatever. And then I found out it was Secret of Mana. And I just about pooped myself because I was a huge fan of the game back in the early 90s. I remember playing it on the Super Nintendo and just being really stoked on it. And when she mentioned that I booked the lead role, I was like, that's cool. That's awesome. This is gonna be my first lead role in anything. I kind of took a very nonchalant attitude toward it. And then when I found out it was Secret of Mana, I had to call someone to like talk me down and say, I can't tell you what this is, but I booked this thing and it's gonna be big. And I, uh... so I freaked out. A lot of that was excitement. Once I found out that it was Secret of Mana, I wanted to do a really good job because I know how huge a following this game has. And to find out that they were remaking the game and putting all this love into it with full voice acting and remade graphics and reorchestrated soundtrack, which Secret of Mana has one of the greatest musical soundtracks of all time. And just to get to working with Square Enix now is a lot of pressure, but they chose me for a reason out of all the other people that auditioned for it because this casting director definitely threw out a huge line for this. So to know that the producers wanted me for this role was really overwhelming and humbling and really grounded me as an actor. It really made me feel good, validated like, hey, I think what I'm doing is actually good. And going into record for Randy in Secret of Mana was just so fun. I always try to have a great time in the booth because I feel it makes for a better character and a better result in the ending product. But with Randy, I had so much fun working on Randy. He's a character who also has an arc to him, but very different from Hush in the sense that Randy starts off as this guy who wants nothing to do with what's going on, what's this responsibility that's all of a sudden thrust on him. So he comes off as really kind of shy and reserved and 
really anxious and having this, I'm not sure if I can do this kind of thing. I'm just some guy. I'm not the hero of legend that you're saying I am. And you definitely hear it too, because what was interesting, what I really liked that they did with this is that we recorded from beginning to end. And that usually doesn't happen, but we started off at the beginning of the story and we worked all the way through it in a straight timeline. At least I got to. So it made it easier for me to grow into the character. And there were a lot of sessions and a lot of time spent on this. I did a number of four hour sessions for this game. So it's a lot of content in it. But going back to what I was saying, it was really awesome to see Randy, who starts off as this kind of shy, reserved character, grow into who he's meant to be and fulfilling his destiny as the hero of legend. And what's cool, too, is that you'll be able to hear that in the game. Something that was really cool is when you first start off as Randy and you get the rusty sword, the attacks still have that anxious, ah, like kind of feel to them. And then later on in the game, when he more accepts his role, his voice changes and they have a more aggressive, confident stature to them. And you'll hear that, too, in his manner of speech and stuff. So I think that's really cool. I got to hear a little bit of the playback on that. And I'm hoping the fans are really stoked to it because this game is happening because of the fans. This is an awesome love letter to the fans. And I hope once it gets released worldwide on February 15, 2018, that everybody just thinks it's rad and that they enjoy the game. I definitely put a lot of work into it. This is probably my biggest role to date. So again, I'm still, as I always am, I'm pretty nervous about how the final result is going to be. But again, I had a lot of fun doing it. I gave the best interpretation of the character that I could given my current skill set as an actor. And I just hope everybody enjoys the performance and enjoys the story and enjoys the game because it is truly an awesome game. And they did their best to stick to what the original dynamics of the original Super Nintendo game was. And I I think that's a perfect place to wrap up but before i go i'm very curious what advice you have to people who want to pursue voice acting and acting in general oh it's so tough man anytime anybody asks me for advice it always comes out really nebulous and i apologize because it's going to be the same here too but i'm going to go by the words crispin freeman who is another famous voice knew actor it. who just knew he, it <laughs> he gave me some really sound advice, or at least really good words of encouragement. And that is, if you really want to do something, you're going to do it. You will find your way. And in the voiceover industry, there's always room for new talent. This year in 2017, this was my introductory year. I got to do all these projects like Hunter Hunter and Iron-Blooded Orphans and Secret of Mana and all this other really cool stuff. And it doesn't matter if you have a nice voice or if you're particularly talented or anything like that. Some people have a natural predisposition to acting, and that's fine, but the world needs all kinds of voices and all kinds of people with certain skill sets. So even if you're not the greatest right now, just keep working at it. Go to the places where they're casting. Be yourself. Be nice. Be kind. Be humble. Be generous. And pay it forward always. I wouldn't have gotten here if it weren't for the help of some truly magnificent people. And I have in turn have been doing my best to help out other actors who are trying to find their break and break into the industry. It took me years to get to where I am and countless times I wanted to give up. So to wrap up everything, if I could give advice is to never give up, be kind, be humble, be generous to the people around you and pay it forward. Always do onto others as you would have onto you. And then finally, I'd like to give you an opportunity to promote yourself, website, Twitter, Facebook, projects where people can find what you're involved in. 
You can find me on Facebook. I'm not so active on there anymore, but it's facebook.com slash Tom Bauer voice. I am more active on Twitter. Like I am always on Twitter. I'm a Twitter fiend. My handle on Twitter is at Tom Bauer VO. And if you want to check out the latest things I'm doing, head to my website, www.tombauervoice.com. I just updated it with Secret of Mana stuff and Gundam stuff on there. And like I said, I have a couple other projects that I'm really excited. Some are coming relatively soon. So Keep your eye on my website or on Twitter. I'll be announcing it on there as well. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And I'm just letting everybody know there will not be a new episode out next week because I will be at Anime USA. And since I feel bad about not producing a new episode next week, I will be live streaming several of my panels. I have six panels, and I'm hoping to live stream three of them. And the two that I'm really excited about live streaming is my Christmas an anime panel and my podcasting and anime panel so definitely be on the lookout for those two panels they will be on my facebook page they're free one of them's around six and one of them's around nine o'clock on saturday night you can catch the replays later on so i'm super excited about that and while you wait for next week and the week after that you can definitely check us out on twitter at pop anime comics check out popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime comics and pop culture as well as you could definitely click the link down below to start an audible free trial you get 30 days of audible free you could pick any book you want on them and you can listen to it enjoy it if you don't like audible you could stop and cancel anytime during the free trial and until next week and the week after that i hope everybody has a wonderful two weeks and we will be back with chuck dixon one of the best batman writers of the 90s so until then i hope everybody has a wonderful two weeks